And the movie is communicating to us a very important lesson. It's a process. You are not finished yet. Your progress for the day is sufficient thereof. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Andrew, welcome back to Lessons from Cinema. Actually, this isn't my talk. This is your talk. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, we talked about it last time. Right. And we got through only a few right. of the movies. <laughs> Lean yeah. on Me, Aquila and the Bee. And the Bells of St. And the Mary. Bells of St. Mary's. Yes. And this is a talk, Lessons from Cinema, that you gave in 2021 at some of the great homeschool conferences. Correct. And uh, not sure we're going to be able to share this. You're not sure you're going to be able to share this this year with any of the conferences right, that you're going right. to. And it's not really recorded because you no. know, copyright issues. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they're movies. If, if I pique your interest in these yeah. movies, then maybe some families would want to watch it. You know, Aquila and the Bee and the Bells of St. Mary's in particular, I would say are great family movies. You could show these to your whole family and not be concerned right. about anything in them. I, I, I'd probably be a little cautious about Lean on Me with two young of children just because of the high school scene yeah. there. The next one, I would probably go teenagers and up. Okay. It's Finding Forrester. Oh, yes. I was hoping that would have made the list. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it came out in 2000. Mm -hmm. I would say it is one of Sean Connery's mm. better mm -hmm. roles. Um, mm -hmm. He's he's just masterful in whatever he did. Mm -hmm. And those of us who grew up watching Sean Connery as James Bond <laughs> um, are, sometimes are a little shocked when he can do something so different. Mm -hmm. But uh, this uh, Forrester is kind of this Hemingway-esque character who is reclusive – alcoholic. Mm -hmm. He's drinking a lot in the movie, so mm -hmm. that's one concern. A real curmudgeon. Very curmudgeonish. Uh, some language mm -hmm. issues. And he lives alone. He wrote the great American novel that has never been out of print, is in every library everywhere in the world. But he's, he's you know, mm -hmm. not he never goes out in public. He gets his groceries delivered. Mm -hmm. And this was, of course, before there was Uber Eats. And, <laughs> but there's a young African-American high school student, Jamal, mm -hmm. who is attending a private kind of upscale prep school. He got in on a scholarship, I guess, mm -hmm. of some sort. He sneaks into this guy's place mm -hmm. for some reason, and they meet, and they work it out. I don't remember the details because I've I've actually not watched the whole movie for many many years. Sure. I've only watched this particular this scene. clip. Yep. Um, and he agrees to help him 
mm-hmm. with writing. And he says, you know, anything that you write here stays here. So they sit down, both have a typewriter. This was pre-computer days. <laughs> there probably were computers in 2000, just the old guy. I had never seen yeah. one. And so they start typing. The old guy's typing and the young guy's doing nothing. And he says, what's wrong? And he goes, well, I can't think of anything. He Great. goes, well, just start. Mm-hmm. And he still doesn't start. And the old guy goes and gets a drink. And he finally goes over to his file cabinet and pulls out something that he wrote a long, long time ago mm-hmm. and says, here, start typing this. And when you feel it, you feel your own words, go off and continue. Mm-hmm. Kind of an imitation feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Like just type. He says sometimes just typing words mm-hmm. will kind of prime the pump, I guess. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the kids start copying essentially and the old guy is drinking and, and then that scene kind of ends. And that's where I end the clip. Uh, The movie, though, is very interesting in that the kid disobeys the rule, what you write here stays here. He puts it in his bag, takes it out, works on it some more, and turns it in for an assignment. His teacher just happens to be kind of a Forrester fan who's read a lot of what he wrote and discovers the plagiarism involved. Mm -hmm. So now he's going to get kicked out of school for violating the honor code and victim of plagiarism. And the old guy now is motivated to come out of his apartment, gets on his bicycle, (laughs) wobbles down the street, and walks into the classroom where his portrait is on the wall. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's a lot lot to be learned there. Again, it's, it's a movie for more mature, older students. But again, it it harkens to that idea of imitation. And sometimes, yeah, just copy work Mm -hmm. gets you going. Yep. And I thought that was was quite insightful. Right. The other thing I liked about the character, uh, Jamal's character in that movie, he was smart. And Mm -hmm. you knew it from the very beginning he was smart. But he had to navigate that with all of his peers. Right. And just it was okay for him to be smart and to be accomplished even amongst that peer group that wasn't valuing that, yes. which I really like that. Yeah. Next movie I chose was Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, okay. This is, of course, a very painful movie. <laughs> um, it's almost as painful as the book, which is perhaps one of the most painful books that a child could read. Hmm. And it was... Oddly, one of the most censored from library books Mm. back in the 60s. Mm. And the reason, of course, is this girl dies. Mm. And it's hard. It's awful because you love her. And you love the fact that they're friends. And it's not fair. It's Mm -hmm. not just. So it is a book that brings a young person kind of face to face with the reality of mortality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's valuable. So. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I wouldn't show it to too young of children, but, you know, kind of middle school age, the characters of that age. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the the scene that I chose was in the class, she is asked to read a paper she wrote. And it's all about scuba diving. And so she kind of writes in the first person, 
you know, as I went below the surface of the water and the bubbles and the fish. And she, it's very descriptive. And it's kind of funny because the teacher, very stereotypical, overacted teachers. And she used a lot of adjectives, which is very important for good <laughs> writing, as you know. Of course, all the kids are like rolling their eyes, mm -hmm. except for the boy, her friend, who is kind of daydreaming. He's kind of imagining mm -hmm. as she's reading the paper. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was interesting. And then the next scene that I cut to was them kind of running, racing through the field. And then they come to a spot and they sit down. And he says, well, you know, when did you go scuba diving? And she said, I've never been scuba diving. <laughs> he said, and he said to her a really interesting thing. He said, you lied? Oh. And she said, it's not a lie. It's imagination. Mm. And then she countered and said, have you seen all of those things that, of the pictures that you draw? Mm -hmm. Right? I thought that was just so nice the way we could understand the relationship between you know, kind of imaginative, creative writing, even in the first person, and drawing pictures that, mm -hmm. that you can imagine and express and portray and communicate things that aren't necessarily true or real in the sense that, yes, I did that or saw that, but they're powerful experiences. And then, of course, there's the horrible element of foreshadowing because they're sitting on a log right near the river mm. where she meets her and sadly. Sadly. Now, but, Andrew, I want to just mention this to our listeners. You've mentioned that you've got the clip that you showed. So what we're going to try to do for you, dear listener, is find those clips and put them in our show notes so that you can link to them so you can see the actual scene that Andrew's describing in this talk, Lessons from Cinema. We're going to try. We're going to try. But <laughs> no guarantee. No. <laughs> you might just have to watch the whole movie and imagine where... When I did this, I went out and bought all the DVDs and then I had to do video capture and I spent... <laughs> I spent longer preparing for this talk probably <laughs> than any other talk that I've ever given, mainly because yep. it was technical yeah. video yeah. editing. I you was had to do to your do. own editing again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one I chose uh, definitely is not a movie to show mm. to young people. Mm -hmm. um, it is A River Runs Through It. Oh, right. Yep. It came out in 1992. Mm -hmm. It is the movie version of the autobiographical work of Norman McLean, I believe, of that same title. And I have talked about this scene in many talks. Mm -hmm. I talked about it in However Imperfectly. I've talked about it in a few other, mm -hmm. as a few other illustrations. And it, it's just the first two minutes of the movie. The rest of the movie, I really didn't like. <laughs> okay. uh, it's mostly about fly fishing, which is boring, and <laughs> alcoholism and suicide, yeah. and it's pretty miserable. Brad mm -hmm. Pitt dies, so that might be good. But <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> in the beginning of the movie, it's a very young Norman McLean um, who is essentially being homeschooled mm. by his very taciturn Scottish Presbyterian minister father mm -hmm. in a very rural part of Montana. And what's kind of interesting is I was living in Bozeman, Montana when this movie was made. Nice. And they actually filmed scenes from this movie 
in the city where they brought in dirt to cover up all the pavement and made everything look really old like it was at the turn of the century and all mm -hmm. that. But the scene is this very young boy, probably 10 years old. He's sitting at a table writing something on a piece of paper. He brings it in, hands it to his father. His father marks on it a little bit, pushes it back across his desk and says, again, half as long. So he takes it back. He writes another thing and he brings it in, slides it across the desk to his father. His father marks on it, slides it back, says, again, shorter. And so he rewrites this thing a third time. He brings it into his father, slides it across. His father reads it, hands it back to him, says, good, now throw it away. <laughs> and the boy grabs the paper, crumples it up, makes a two-pointer in the wastebasket, grabs his fishing pole, runs out the front door, and his mom yells out the window, Norman, wait for your brother. Mm -hmm. And then they go fly fishing and romping around the hills in Montana when it isn't snowing. So you know that had to have been August. <laughs> um, but the the moment where his father says, good, now throw it away. Right. Oh, my is goodness. very jarring. Yes. Especially to homeschool mom. Yes. <laughs> um, why? Why would he say that? And this whole idea came into a part of my talk, however imperfectly, and the essay I wrote that's in the book of that mm -hmm. same name, mm -hmm. about process over product. Mm -hmm. We tend to be very product-oriented in our thinking about school. You know, we want to have an artifact that proves we learned something. So, you know, throw it away. Why not? And, and then... The fear. What does that communicate to the child? Like his work wasn't good. He did, wasn't good enough, right? None of that. Mm. The father is communicating to the boy and the movie is communicating to us a very important lesson. It's a process. You are not finished yet. Mm -hmm. Your progress for the day is sufficient thereof. Mm -hmm. You've rewritten this three times, which for some 10-year-old boys is a borderline miracle. <laughs> <laughs> right, But your progress today is sufficient, mm -hmm. but you're not finished yet. Right. We'll do this again tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And maybe someday you will write something worth keeping. Mm -hmm. But this is not yet. Mm -hmm. Not yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's, that's freeing to us in some way because I think as parents, and, and this is more and more true as our kids get older, but we get very attached to the product itself as proof we did good. Mm -hmm. That we did homeschooling, and that we're we we have something to show for it, you know. Yep, we're in the classroom to put some, to post for open house. You yeah. know, this is your the the very end of the scene. He says, "My father's discipline was tempered with the freedom to go mm -hmm. out in nature." Mm -hmm. I, I didn't say it very poetically, mm -hmm. but I also like that because I have that talk nature deficit disorder, right? About the importance of freedom for children to be outside, and of course. You know, Montana in August is pretty nice, and then the other 11 months are winter. But nevertheless, there was that, that balance between rigor and freedom. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next clip is also a very, very hard movie to watch, and I wouldn't recommend it. It involves um, adultery mm -hmm. as part of the plot. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's a super rough movie. Uh, there's a newer version and an older black and white version. And the movie is called The Browning Version. Okay. I chose the newer one because I like Albert Finney and I think he mm. did a very good job. 
This was released in 1994, and it's the story of a very, very harsh, almost heartless teacher in a boys' school in England. His nickname is the Hitler of the Lower Fifth. Oh, wow. Everybody hates him. Mm -hmm. And his wife is the one who mm. basically goes off and and finally he's asked to retire. Sure. And there's one boy who has some compassion, some some reaching out for this man who's basically just emotionally cut off, inaccessible, uninterested in anything. Hmm. And they're studying classics. And there's a translation, I believe, of something by Aeschylus by Robert Browning. And this boy buys the book, the English translation by Robert Browning, and he gives that as a gift to this teacher. And that act of gifting has a profound effect on this teacher. It, it almost convicts him. Mm. And the scene that I show is at the end of the movie where he's essentially giving his farewell address. And he pulls out his flashcards and says, the study of the classics is the key to the preservation of Western civil, blah, blah, blah. And then he stops. He puts his little cards for his speech back in his pocket. And he says, I am sorry. Oh, wow. I have failed to give you hmm. what it is the demand of every teacher. And he, he goes on and talks about compassion and understanding and all of these things that he completely failed to give. And, of course, there's his wife in the back standing not too far away from the other teacher that she had the affair with, and mm -hmm. she's starting to cry, and he's standing there and basically says, I, I hope that you will forgive me because I know I shan't be able to forgive myself. Oh. And then he walks down the aisle out the door. And <clears throat> the boy is in the audience, and... It's just a, a tremendously emotionally packed scene. And I think, you know, while few of us, if anyone I know, would have fallen into that category of being so critical and so insensitive mm -hmm. as to be thought of in that way. Yeah. All of us do have that tendency that we can fall into of being critical mm -hmm. or thoughtless. Mm -hmm. And I know I've done it. I, mm -hmm. I remember one time in particular with one of my kids, I was so angry. Mm. I was just, and it was all about schoolwork. Mm. And I was just so angry. I just wanted to hit her mm. because I, I didn't know any way. Mm. And, and when I saw this movie, that moment flashed clearly back into my mind. Mm. And I thought... It's almost a case where it's easier to have that lack of compassion with your own children. Yeah. Because you take the love and affection for granted. It's like, you love me, I love you. We know this. Mm -hmm. So just, would you just do it? Ah! And you get, <laughs> right. you know, you get angry. <laughs> right. And so I thought this scene, as painful and awful as it is, is a good reminder that. Wherever we are, whether yep. it's with our coworkers, whether it's mm -hmm. with children or other people's children, whether it's with friends, maybe 
you know, at our time in life, we're of an age where we have friends that are younger and we feel kind of a, a mentoring role, or maybe with older parents, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we we have all these opportunities to guard against that lack of compassion that this movie takes to such a painful extreme. And also the power of a gesture, right? The gesture of that young boy buying a book that he believed this teacher would appreciate was transformative in his life. Right. Last movie. Do we have time? We do. Let's we'll do, end we'll, on a we'll do it quick. good movie. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Aw, classic. 1939. Yep. Another black and white. And uh, so you look at the acting and go, he's so affected. But then his character was kind of like that, just mm-hmm. so oblivious to the world, yeah. and doing his own <laughs> thing. And there were two scenes I picked. He could have shown the whole movie. It's mm-hmm. just brilliant. But one scene, again, was in the schoolyard, two boys fighting, and he breaks up the fight and say shake hands now if you've learned you know one lesson today then it's worth it and Mm -hmm. then he gets called into the headmaster's office and he goes in and the head says mr chips have you ever mr chipping have you ever thought about retiring Mm. says no never i have no intention or (laughs) desire to retire why do you ask (laughs) (laughs) well you know i've asked you to change certain things about Mm. the way you're doing things and he says, well, that's just part of this newfangled modern education that does not give boys what they need. Mm. And they talk a little bit about the new Latin pronunciation, this mm. or that. And then he, he finally finishes and he says, I, if I quote it right, he says, give a boy a sense of balance, right? And and the way he says it, like he, he really deeply understands balance the students he's teaching mm, mm-hmm. and how this new system that he perceives as being mechanical and and much more product driven and mm. you know without flexibility to some degree is is not what is needed and mm-hmm. you know he says I think well you can get rid of me if you want to but I'm not leaving <laughs> so if I remember it's dangerous talking about movies and saying what the characters say because I know I'm not quoting them <laughs> precisely. Um, but uh, it's a it's a very kind of um, invigorating scene. What I found so interesting is you would tend to think 1939, and, and the movie looks like it could have even been set a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. Weren't those the good old days when schools were doing all the right things? <laughs> I don't know. And that's what we kind of think sure, of. And sure. yet, you know, he's kind of railing against this modernism that was infecting the schools mm-hmm. as early as that time period. Right, right. So anyway, there are so many more movies that would be a delight to uh, include. Maybe I'll have to make part two of <laughs> Pedagogy Lessons from Cinema, only this time – I'm not going to do all that blasted video editing myself. Nope. I'm going to get someone else to help with I it. I think you have a few video editors on your staff, Andrew, that would be delighted to help you with this. Well, listener, we uh, mentioned at our previous p- podcast on this topic that maybe there are some lessons from cinema that you would have included on this list that Andrew did not get to. So if you are so inclined, please uh, drop us a line, 
podcast at IEW.com. Let us know some of your favorite movies and maybe some clips that you would want to share. And we'll see if we can include those in a future episode. Well, not the clips. We won't include the clips of the future episodes. What we will include is your suggestions. <laughs> and maybe that will be part of your part two, Andrew. <laughs> maybe someday. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing. Would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.